from Bureaucracy's Basement to your ears, this is the weekly meeting of the Queen City Improvement Bureau. Each week, the dedicated staff of the Bureau meet to make recommendations, file reports, and survive on water that drips from the boiler pipe into our mouths as we sleep on a bed of dot matrix printer paper in the back room. Maybe one day we'll escape from the subterranean hell that is this basement, but until that day comes, this city is not going to improve itself. So, here we stay, improving things. This meeting is now in session. Hello. Oh, hey. How you doing? Oh, just great, great. Uh, I made I made myself a new pair of shoes. Oh, nice. Yep. Yeah. What from? Yeah. Uh, scraps around the office. You know, staples, uh, bits of old binders. That kind of thing. Glue. Nice. Obviously, tape. Awesome. Hey, can you hear that? Of course, it would stop the minute I move my microphone. Can, can I? Well, I heard, I heard, uh, I heard like a sound of sweet music. Yeah, yeah. The leopard has taken up the trumpet. <laughs> oh, nice. Okay. Everybody needs um, a hobby. <laughs> even, even the big cats. Yeah. That once roamed the savannah. Anywho. We should do attendance. All right. We'll do attendance. Uh, okay. First attendee for the meeting. Handy Ploose. Nope. I handy don't see a Handy Ploose. Ploose. Oh, I got a, I got an email today. Um, I'm supposed to uh, congratulate Handy Ploose on his uh, LinkedIn work anniversary. Oh, uh, what does is, what is Handy do? Well, here's the thing. When I went to LinkedIn, turns out Handy died in 1897. Holy. So, so I did a bit of digging, and it turns out that if you congratulate Handy Ploose, on his work anniversary in seven days, a human resources officer will come out of the screen and hire you as the CEO of LinkedIn. Wow. Yeah. So <laughs> you don't you don't you don't want to you don't want to do this. Okay, basically. I won't do that. No. Yeah. I can't anyway, think of a more cursed job than the CEO of LinkedIn. Anyway, so I did it. Uh, and just wanted to let you know that in uh, this time next week, I'm gonna be running things over at LinkedIn. Oh good. So so I'm assuming that what you do at LinkedIn is you just like send out emails to people inviting them to join LinkedIn. I, I believe so. That's my yeah. understanding. Tedious yeah. job. Exactly. I, I won't even have to relocate. I'll be still in the, uh, in the office here. I can do this new job from the side of my day, I'm pretty sure. All right. All right. Um, you know something, though? I think I mixed up the letters in uh, Handy's name. Just hold on. It should be Paul DeShane. That's me. Oh, okay. You're here. Okay. And next up, uh, next attendee is uh, Mina Rando. So that's actually my grandmother. Nope. Oh, your, your grandmother is yeah. Mina Rando? Yeah. Oh, really? Isn't that nice? Maternal? Uh, yes. Well, yeah. well, technically, yes, but she was not a maternal woman at all. Okay. A, a cruel, hard woman, yeah, uh, who hasn't spoken to me in years. So. And she's going to be on our show, in our meeting. What? I don't see her, though. Good. Phew. Good. Me too. She would just criticize me and, and my mother. So, um, oh, this is embarrassing. I've mixed up the letter. Hold on. Should be, oh, Aiden Morgan. That's actually you. Oh, Weird cool. that your name is an anagram of your grandmother's name. Did your parents uh, plan that? <laughs> yeah, don't. Yeah, it's, it's all, it's all the product. It's like Dune. I'm the product of like 10,000 years of careful, careful planning. <laughs> Free arranging of letters. That's right, too, to arrive at Aiden Morgan. Um, 
No, no, my, my grandmother's first name is Mina, but her last name was not Orando. And she okay. was a very nice woman. So okay. for anybody to think that I've actually uh, have, have a beef against my own my own grandmother, I do not. Right. Good. Anyway, we've I think I've wasted all of our time quite nicely. Let's we we Let's have a guest. Something. We do. We do. We, we just had to listen to all that. So very yeah. We have Ward 8 City Councilor. Shannon Zakidniak, frequent guest on our show and uh, improvement vector, official improvement vector. True that. Hey, Shannon. Hi. Um, I don't know uh, an official what? Improvement vector? An improvement Mm -hmm. vector from before becoming a city councilor. Oh, yes, that's right. I didn't forget. I I keep that framed right above my desk to look (laughs) at every day. Thank you for lying (laughs) to us. (laughs) Yes, that's right. Yeah, so we, we we invited you on the show because, uh, well, actually, you sent out the press release uh, announcing that uh, you've been appointed to the National Green Municipal Fund Council. Congratulations or uh, condolences? Which is it? <laughs> uh, thank you. Yeah, I'm I'm excited, and uh, I thought that it would be a good opportunity for a positive environmental story in Regina. So that's why I sent out the press release for it. No, right on. Let's start with what it is that this is. Like before we get to like what you want to do with it, like what is the Green Municipal Fund and the Green Municipal Fund Council? Okay. So the Green Municipal Fund is um, the way that the federal government allocates their funding for sustainability and environmental initiatives um, across Canada to to municipalities. Um, and it's a $1.65 billion fund. Um, and so, yeah, that maybe gives you enough information about. And, and the council, um, there's six elected officials on the council. And um, there's also, I'm just looking at my notes here. A third of the council are members of the government, uh, are Government of Canada representatives. A third are elected municipal officials, and a third are external members representing public, private, academic, or environment sectors. They meet 10 times a year to allocate this funding. They also um, would make, um, I think they would make recommendations for priorities for funding. I haven't, I've been to orientation so far, but I haven't actually been to a meeting, so I'm still learning exactly what this is, but I think it's a really exciting opportunity to help fund the transition to a cleaner energy future and um, environmental initiatives across the country. So I'm really excited about it. What kind of a workload is this? Like how often are you going to be meeting with this group? So they meet 10 times a year, six are virtual and four meetings are in person in Ottawa. These meetings though, they're, um, Several, you know, there's several hours long, all day long meetings. The ones in Ottawa, they really make use of the fact that that you're there and you'll have several days of meetings. There is an honorarium attached to it because of the extra workload that is involved. And um, I don't, I don't yet know what I've gotten into myself, gotten myself into workload wise, (laughs) but um, I know that there's significant amounts of reading prior to each of these meetings. Um, but it's an exciting opportunity and I'll just adjust my workload as required in order to accommodate 
this. And I think it's like, it's obviously it's exciting for me personally, because I care a great deal about the environment and climate initiatives. And I want to be part of, um, you know, the solution, the transition, how do we fund it? But it's also, um, it's really exciting for the city to get much more involved in uh, learning about the funding opportunities out there, helping to um, have a voice and setting the priorities for funding. And, um, and, and then obviously it's a great opportunity to help other municipalities across the country who are trying to do similar work that we are in terms of transitioning to a greener future. So presumably, though, I mean, if you're if you're allocating funding across the country, you'll probably have to like recuse yourself when you're talking about Regina. Yeah, I would. But yeah, go ahead. Will you take this opportunity to really screw over Moose Jaw? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Top of my list. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think like, you know, there's still like learning about the opportunities and really getting a sense of what the priorities are and communicating that to our administration. But of course, if there's an actual Regina application, then I'd have to recuse myself. But this does mean that you're going to have like sort of the inside scoop on like, you know, what funding is available, what kind of, you know, what kind of applications are looked at favorably, things like that. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. That's pretty exciting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's also like for folks who are saying, oh, we have such an ambitious which we do, like the the energy and sustainability framework. We got started later than some municipalities. We have lots of work to do. And, um, you know, 2050 is not that far away considering the, the amount of work required to get there. Well, now we're more tuned in than ever to the funding opportunities out there. So I think it's like a good counterpoint that, yes, we have an ambitious plan. We are trying to get as much information as possible about the funding opportunities that exist to help us meet these goals. Did you seek this out? Did you go after this extra work? I did. Yeah. (laughs) Are you feeling about that? I mean, I, this honestly feels like a career highlight for me, like being on this national council and it's a pretty exciting opportunity. Like who, um, you know, you're allocating, you're involved in the allocation of $1.65 billion. Like that's just a good news story all around. And so, you know, um, I think it's an opportunity to show that like, yeah, I myself have lots of environmental initiatives that I'd like to see happen. I'm also willing to be part of the solution of trying to help find the funds to make these initiatives happen. So we're on, 91.3 FM, CJTR, Regina Community Radio. And we're the Queen City Improvement Bureau talking with Shannon Zakidniak about her appointment to the uh, Green Municipal Fund Council. Uh, When is the first meeting? When do you get started? Um, The first, so we had orientation already last week. And then there's a meeting this Friday that I'm actually not, I don't think I'm going to be able to make this first meeting because my husband had planned a weekend away for us with this long weekend. But then there's a meeting in June, um, the week of, I think it's like June 16th is the meeting. But like I said, they're multi-day meetings. And so um, that'll be the first uh, big meeting in Ottawa. That'll, And I should also mention, so you have the council and then every council, elected council member 
probably all of them, also sits on subcommittees. And so um, I'm also on the Low Carbon Communities Subcommittee. And I don't know much about that yet, so <laughs> I can't give you more information. <laughs> I have an orientation coming up for that one too. But um, yeah, it's actually a very, the Green Municipal Fund is what I can tell you so far, the, that the folks who work there are very well organized. Um, there is a lot of reporting requirements. They, you know, they're following all the best practices because it is such a large allocation of money. They have, um, so far, it appears, thought of everything, and it feels like you know, I'm I'm there to help, but I um, I, I I don't think there'll be the need to identify gaps in their processes. It'll be about helping to identify where's the best place to allocate funding. There's I think I hope that the there'll be many exciting projects and the hard decisions will be deciding which ones to fund because I think we're in a really exciting moment in relation to climate and environment in Canada. There's lots of money available and and there's lots of communities wanting to do this work. So I think the real problem will be that we don't have enough money at any given moment to fund all the exciting initiatives that folks want to be doing. Do, do you recognize anybody else like from other municipalities? Like what other municipalities are involved in this? The council, what other like uh, organizations do you know that are on there? Um, so I don't, um, I've met some of the other, the two, like a few of the new folks only at this point. And um, I don't, so far, I don't know of any of these people. Um there is a counselor from Alberta in a, a small town in Alberta. I can't remember which one. Cool. Um, we're the two Western Canadian uh, council reps. Last time they just had one um, last iteration of the council. And I also met a counselor from Halifax who's joining. And um, there's going to be a new president of the Green Municipal Fund who is based out of Quebec and... Um, yeah, so I don't know these, I don't know who these folks are. And I don't, in terms of organizations currently represented, I'm actually not, it's hard to find if you Google, like who's on the Green Municipal Fund Council. So um, uh, I, I think I'll get more information when I actually meet these people. So you're going to be, you're going to be able to let us know who's on the council. And like, yes. <laughs> yeah. So are you going to get to meet or have you met uh, Environment Minister Stephen Guibault? No, not yet. And you, hopefully, yeah. Because he's kind of a hottie. <laughs> well, I'll be sure to send out an email after we after we finish this asking to meet him because he's a hottie, I'm sure. Such a hottie. <laughs> please, please tell him, if you meet him, please tell him that Paul Paul says you're a hottie. Yes. Paul <laughs> DeShane would like me to meet you because you're a hottie. So if we could arrange that, I could get an autograph for him. I'll see Thank what you. I can do. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's that's really exciting and very cool. Mm -hmm. How do you feel, though, about, you know, what you're going to be bringing, like your bona fides as like a counselor from Regina? Like, how are you, how are you feeling about us as an environmental entity right now? The city of Regina? Yeah, I mean, we've like it's been a big couple of years. We've got yeah. the uh, the energy and sustainability framework has passed. The transit master plan has mm -hmm. passed. Um, you know, things are moving and shaking and it's mainly happened since you started on council. So, uh, how does that feel? 
Yeah, I mean, I am excited about the position we're currently in, in the city of Regina. And I think that being plugged into opportunities like this is a way to try and ensure that we are successful. The same thing, um, you can say the same thing about the transit master plan. It's an ambitious document. We're trying to really transform our entire transit system, dramatically increase our ridership. So we're going to need to make big moves quickly in order to do these things. And so I think that, um, I think it's an exciting moment to, um, to be a part of something like this. And I think that, um, what I'll be able to bring at this council is, um, sort of like part being part from a municipality where it's kind of like endless possibilities in this moment. And we just approve these ambitious plans. We're ready to get started and we're wide open in terms of there's so many things that we need to do that we could, um, you know, like it's, there's endless opportunities. So, um, so that's kind of like an exciting time to join something where there's multiple funding opportunities because theoretically we could likely pick most of them to apply for. Yeah. Um, and the missing piece in a lot of these master plans, is like, how are we going to pay for all of these like great ideas? And yeah, there's the, the answer to that question has always been very vague at, at meetings. Yeah. So. And I'm not trying to like suggest that we'll get the entire energy and sustainability framework or transit master plan funded because of this opportunity or something like that, right? Because we are one municipality Mm -hmm. in the entire country. And so it is exciting for Regina. I do think it gives us better chances at having successful applications because we will be more informed. It's also just exciting in general to help um, with other municipalities across the country and also to learn about what other people are doing and what's working well in other places. And that's another Mm -hmm. message that can be helpful with our administration, regardless of the funding opportunity, like learning about a great initiative that somebody else is doing and that we could potentially replicate that here. Cool. Cool. Well, then what, what is coming up at city council, Shannon? Like not necessarily. No, not necessarily just tomorrow, but just in general. What what is the scoop at City Council? What's coming that's that you're excited about? Well, um, so we have, you know, prior to a couple breaks coming up in the summer, I think we're in a point where we're just trying to administration has several things that they're trying to wrap up prior to yeah. summer, because then the closer we get to the budget in December, the more folks are really fixated on preparing for the budget, especially because this year will be our first multi-year budget that we'll be doing a a two-year budget. Like one more, um, obviously one's more final, the 2023 budget, but the 2024 budget will be, you know, there'll be some estimates or preliminary budget work for that one. Um, But what I know, um, what, you know, some of the things that I was, definitely focused on have just passed, as mentioned, the transit master plan, the energy and sustainability framework, but coming up still is um, within the transit master plan, there will be administration's recommendation for how they plan to move forward with fare-free transit. 
And so what came from the transit master plan was up to age 12 was the recommendation. So it's still status quo. And then the, the, there will be a report recommending well beyond status quo, which is four, four and under the recommendation will be, I believe 12 and under. And then, but there's lots of community, uh, lots of folks in the community are asking for much more than that, 18 and under. I'll be interested to see the report from administration. I'm interested in pushing for more beyond 12 and under. And so um, I'm, I'm excited for that discussion. I'm excited to see if we can be successful in expanding beyond 12 and under, um, because I think there's lots of reasons for us to, to keep moving on that front, you know, whether it's environmental, whether it's increasing ridership. And I think when, if we're focusing on young folks, like that's the way to do it because you build these ridership patterns that folks then follow for the, the, you know, presumably for the rest of their lives. So I'm excited about that one. We also have the, um, I believe in June, the density report that some councillors had asked for. Um, I think market choice for housing is how it was framed. Yeah. So this was like the question of adjusting density targets. I believe that one's coming back in June. But I also know that the um, official community plan is supposed to be, it's due for a 10-year review in 2023. So I just don't see much happening outside of that process so close to when it's due for its official review. So while I was initially nervous about this, what will come from these recommendations and consultation with industry in the in the density report. Um, I just can't see like if anybody wanted to change anything, there would have to be um, a, a engagement with the community. Like that's certainly how we built our first official community plan. I can't see an alternative where uh, folks could propose something else successfully. Hopefully I'm right. Um, going back to the transit master plan with the, uh, uh, with the fair free transit for teenagers, uh, you had, uh, two uh, school trustees came and advocated for this at the council meeting. Um, when asked if the school board would be willing to pitch in for this, they basically said we're broke and we get all of our funding directly from the province. So we don't actually like they, they pointed out that they don't have taxing power and can't expand their budget. Uh, did that, do you think that that response mollified council? Because I know getting some sharing with the school board was very important to council and executives. So I was wondering if the response from school trustees uh, helped clarify things for them. You know, I think that council might be a bit split on this one in terms of there's some of us who see the benefits of uh, in, increasing fare free transit and are willing to, I mean, I think everyone theoretically sees the benefits, but there's some of us who feel that even if it's, um, even if we don't get funding from other sources, it's still a worth an investment that's worthwhile enough to pursue anyway. Right. And then you would have some who would be more hesitant and there is a valid concern of downloading from the province, but that's not something that I can't control that. You know, mm -hmm. I can't like stop the province from downloading stuff to council. So I'm less interested 
of course I'm concerned about it, but I'm more concerned in this instance about something that I can control, which is offering more fare free transit um, in Regina, continuing to expand that. And I do think that re- the rewards outweigh the risks of the downloading from the province. Cool. Well, it'll be exciting to see, you know, what happens and what kind of support there is for it. Um, because th- that is something that's come up over and over and over again with delegations that they've been, you know, looking for this. Uh, and I actually think that because of that and because of the conversations that have happened with the school board and what you and what was discussed at executive committee and council, when we get a report from administration, I think it'll be more thorough, like more comprehensive as a result with more options right. included. So I don't think it'll be, um, I think there may be several possible options, even embedded within the report, that if one is looking to to go further, that they're um, due to all the conversation that's happened and all the research that administration is doing, I think that there will be some interesting options outlined within the report itself as well. Cool. Awesome. Uh, well, one last thing. Uh, are we going to see the uh, retrofit program uh, up and running that, that's supposed to be coming out of the energy and sustainability program to help people you know, improve the insulation of their homes and just the energy efficiency of their homes? Administration had said they wanted to have that ready to go for this construction season. Uh, is that going to happen? And do you know what it's going to look like? Yeah, I forgot to mention that one as an exciting thing coming up. Um, it is coming up um, on May 25th to executive committee is the proposed uh, retrofit program from administration. And this isn't, this is just, um, I guess, like the pilot program, the way to get something going as quickly as possible. It's not a pace type program. It's a uh, piggybacking off of the federal money available. Um, I I can't remember if it's like, it's a green home retrofit program that offers $5,000, I believe. And I believe what administration is recommending is to also contribute a $5,000 grant as well to individuals. Moving forward with that now is to be able to execute something quickly. And after, after that is up and running, if it passes, then they will be investigating additional long-term options, such as a PACE type program, um, which is a bit more complicated to administer. Doesn't mean like it's lots of places do it. It's a good program, but it would take them longer to set up. This one, they wanted to move with something more quickly. And so this is why they're proposing this type of program to get started with. So I'm also excited about that because I do think it's important that we not only approve frameworks and master plans, but that we show that we're serious about getting started um, and put some things in place quickly to demonstrate that. Cool. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, thanks a lot, Shannon. Thanks for coming in and talking to us today about all this cool stuff and congratulations. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, on that note, we should move on to innovative revenue tools. And I only have one. Just quickly, uh, they could insulate their sub-basement because brutally hot in the summer, freezing cold in the winter, and um, we can't wrap ourselves in enough reports to stay comfortable. Do you want me to talk to uh, upstairs, to the folks upstairs about that? <laughs> I'm sure they're leaking tons of energy out of their sub-basement. So, yeah. I'm sure they are as well. <laughs> I'll pass that on. Okay, thanks. 
the Queen City Improvement Bureau would like to acknowledge the Regina Warehouse Business Improvement District for their support of our show. The Regina Warehouse Business Improvement District. Improving the district where there are warehouses in Regina. And we're back from Innovative Revenue Tools. Oh, well, just Jesus, Revenue Tools. Like, uh, I, I, like I actually, I confess, I had a cut on my hand. Um, earlier, and then I heard those revenue tools, and I looked down, and the cut had completely healed. Wow! Yeah, that's how wow. good those tools were. If we could bottle those innovative revenue tools, we'd have like a solve, an ointment that yeah, we, we could, could market. We could get out of the sub basement, like buy like a small caravan, and go from town to town, mm-hmm. hawking our wares. Yeah, innovative revenue tools. <laughs> That's my that's my hawker voice. Pretty good for what ails you. <laughs> that's my hawker voice. That's better than mine. That's hey, great news! Oh yes, what? Hello, Ukraine. Ukraine won the uh, Eurovision Song Contest. Oh. I, I know you were like really interested in that at our last meeting. I think uh, that Norway would be the the winner. I mean, I understand. I understand. Norway, Norway didn't even come close. Not even close. Oh well. Yeah. I was I was sad, but yeah, no, I think I think Ukraine was the right choice. Um, strangely, the UK came in second place, and the UK song was hot garbage. It's they actually had a whole different uh, strategy uh, this time along. UK has often come in like dead last or close to dead last, mm-hmm. um, but this time they changed the way they uh, basically marketed their song. Uh, yeah. And made sure it got heard in, like they they concentrated on smaller countries, which of course have the same vote as you know Germany or, or whatever right. else, and so they, they they played the game. I just assumed it was because Russia was trying to hack things, <laughs> and they they failed to oust Ukraine, but they were able to boost the UK to almost win. You know, if if Russia were really trying to hack things, they'd be trying to get Finland to win. So in exchange, you know, it's like we, we get you first place in Eurovision and in exchange, you don't try and join NATO. Yeah. Yeah. Although it, apparently it is true that Russia did try to hack the Eurovision Song Contest and really? failed. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Whoa. I'm sorry. I thought you were, I thought you were just riffing. No, no, it, it actually happened. And apparently uh, the, I don't know what you call them, the Euro cybercrime people for the song contest. Uh, spotted the hacking attempt and were able to thwart it. Wow. I wonder, yeah. I wonder what they were trying to accomplish with the hack. Did you think there, but obviously they were trying to like influence the results of the, yeah. of the competition. I think just mess it up and mm-hmm. humiliate Ukraine somehow, or just humiliate because they had been not allowed in because of their invasion of Ukraine. Right. And so I think they just kind of wanted to make a mess of things, but I don't know. I can't get into the head of a Russian hacker. Maybe maybe what they wanted was to actually hack it so that they could actually perform. Oh, so that, you know, partway through, there'd be like a performance from Russia that yep. would be so amazing that you would have to vote for it. Exactly. Oh, fiends. Those fiends. Russian fiends. They just want to be in Eurovision so badly. Yeah. So, so my, my advice to Russia is not to invade Ukraine or any other sovereign nation. Yeah. And then you get to, you get to play in the the eurovision fields yeah yeah they've also lost uh, mcdonald's mcdonald's has said they're leaving russia forever so no mcdonald's 
know your vision song contest there's very little you know like world pop culture that's going to be left in russia when this is all over they're gonna to have to make their own fun yeah so i think they are and that's the problem <laughs> that's right oh uh, cables out what do you want to do well invade well, ukraine okay. ah. <laughs> that'll be okay right oh God. be fine uh, everybody will love us uh anyways um uh, you, there is news. Well, there's not news. There's stuff going on in the community. It's that time of year. Well, if we say it's news, then it's news. Such is the power of the media. It's true. Um, yeah. Like when once Eurovision Song Contest ends, it's time for the Cathedral Village Arts Festival. Ooh. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So they are after two years of being uh, online. They are uh, going back to live events this year. Um, Would you say they're taking it to the streets? They are taking it to the streets, although they didn't choose that as their theme this year. Oh, man. Taking it to the streets is a great theme for anything. I agree. I agree. But they went with thanks, Regina, as a theme. Mm, Well, okay. Okay. I mean, I'm not going to argue with their choices. I'm just going to say taking it to the streets would have been the better choice. You know, I agree. This year we're taking it to the streets. A lot of neon colors, a lot of spandex, a lot of like, you know, handheld stereos, you know, the whole, that whole sort of 80s vibe. Yeah. That would have been fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, but they will take it to the streets regardless. True. And there will be a big party. So they're going right back to... Uh, full week, Monday to Saturday of shows um, with a street fair on the Saturday. So, oh, nice. Oh, yeah. wait. I maybe, maybe they will contact photographers such as myself. I to... suspect they will. If you've been to uh, past uh, Cathedral Village Arts Festivals, uh, you can expect that it will be very similar this year, a little bit scaled down. They were not 100% sure if uh, they'd be able to do an in-person event this year. So they were like putting off, putting off, putting off, making the decision because they didn't know what the pandemic was going to be like. So they made the decision at the last minute. And so this is going to be like the fastest they've organized a festival ever. So things are a little bit more chaotic, a little bit more rushed. Um, But they will have the kickoff parade on the Monday, the holiday Monday. They will have uh, a picnic in Les Sherman Park. So that's right by the Neil Balkel Center where you can buy hot dogs and hamburgers and there will be games and activities and shows that you can enjoy. Uh, Then uh, all through the week, the Artesian actually will have shows every single night of the week. So including Monday. Uh, So Monday night, they're going to be having, that'll be the literary uh, stage. And um, yeah, the... Uh, what comes next and then oh tuesday night again literary stuff so readings poetry slams stuff like that and then um yeah wednesday thursday friday saturday uh the big nights that everybody's concerned about friday night uh there will be shows at westminster united church holy rosary park mercury cafe cathedral neighborhood center saint mary's anglican church and artesian all of those places will have shows again on the saturday and uh yeah there's going to be bands such as Wazo is going to be playing Mechadroid. Uh, these are on Friday night. Um, 
who else? Marshall Burns and Wolf Willow will be playing at the Artesian on Friday night. And then on Saturday, you have Bears and Hazemore are playing the Artesian. They're super and, good. Yeah, they are super good. And uh, who else do we have? Uh, St. Mary's Actually, Anglican Church. Sorry. Sorry, I was going to say uh, every band that you've mentioned that I've heard of, it's most of them are all really good. So not, not to single Bears and Hazemore. Uh, this is a great lineup of music so far. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm actually going to be attending and volunteering at the St. Mary's show on Saturday night, which is Wishbook, GB Loon and the Loonies, and uh, Pop Pop for Knack. I don't know any of those bands or if they're any good, but I will be there. Uh, I will be I'll be hosting that night, actually. So, cool. Yeah. And uh, there will be Funville in Holy Rosary Park on the Saturday and under the big top, you'll have Listen the Tritones. Fata Dance will be doing their, they're going way back to when Fata Dance formed. They've been doing a showcase of their dancers at uh, the Arts Fest. Had to put that, you know, couldn't do that for two years. So they'll be uh, returning to the big tent and they'll be followed by People of the Sun. And then the Saturday night under the big tent will be rounded out by Andino Sons, which I think is now officially nice. a tradition for the Arts yeah. Fest to close out with Andino Sons at the big tent. So, Wow. Yeah. Sounds like a really good time. I, I'd forgotten actually how much fun the Arts Fest can be. Yeah. And for anybody who doesn't know, uh, the Arts Fest, all these shows are free. The Arts Festival is paid for by donations at the door and buy some grants that they get from the city, the federal government, and a few other places. Uh, the the SASC lotteries, Saskatchewan government, uh, provides money. So, and, you know, the goal being that people should be able to enjoy the arts without paying money, that this, this, this entertainment should be just free to all. So if, if you're looking for a good, week, a good week's worth of entertainment out in your community, uh, the Arts Fest is the place to go. Um, just one thing to keep an eye out for different venues will have uh, requirements around masking and showing proof of vaccine. Uh, the pandemic has not gone away and the arts festival is aware of that. So they want people to, you know, exercise uh, caution, care and concern for their fellow citizens. Uh, we don't want this to be a, they don't want this to be a super spreader event. Um, so a lot of it is going to be outdoors. The street fair is outdoors where there's very low, low risk of transmission and the indoor events, you know, keep your masks on people. Yeah. Like, come on, come on people. Oh, I'm, I'm so looking forward to this. All right. So we're on 91.3 FM CJTR Regina community radio. We're the queen city improvement bureau. And, uh, I wanted to go back in time. Because there was some stuff from an old agenda that we didn't get to. Let's hear it. It's the transit master plan. The council meeting where this happened. Uh, as you know, it passed 9 to 1. Councillor LeBlanc was not at the meeting. And uh, Councillor Shaw was the only councillor to vote against. Uh, and I have some concerns that Councillor Bushani is... While she voted yes at both executive and council, mm -hmm. she seems the most transit skeptical of the hmm. yes vote counselors uh, in that she's uh, I, I think she's concerned about the cost and she doesn't want to see transit taking away from other transportation priorities like driving your cars from the suburbs. So I think it's worth 
taking a look at um, Councillor Shaw's arguments against uh, against expanding transit and why she cast the no vote that she did. Uh, I think it's interesting and telling uh, the the reasons that she put forward. So one of the delegations that came out for the transit master plan was uh, this transit training group. And this is a group of people who have come together to provide training to people with uh, people with intellectual disabilities who uh, may have difficulty using transit. And it was to provide them with training on how to, you know, how to take the bus independently, because apparently a lot of these people have a bus pass, but they don't feel comfortable or safe taking transit without like a friend or a family member there to take them on it. So this was this was a program that uh, helped give them transportation independence. Hmm. Under the transit master plan, uh, you know, it was identified that this was a program that started just before COVID and was hugely successful, like far more successful than they expected and successful even considering that, you know, there was this like pandemic that kind of interrupted its ability to do, you know, to accomplish all that it hoped for. Uh, So the transit master plan says, let's, let's, keep this up. And also let's consider expanding transit training to other groups that may have, you know, some concerns about taking transit like seniors and newcomers to Regina who, you know, might need a little bit of extra help figuring out how transit works in this country. Hmm. So this group came out to talk about how successful this program was and to show their support for the transit master plan and its endorsement of this program. Councillor Shaw had some pointed questions. And I've got like two little audio clips here that I wanted to play to show how, and I'll just spoil it, to show how (laughs) Councillor Shaw takes this delegation and flips it on its head and turns it into a reason to vote against the transit master plan. So do you think that the, the like if this master transit plan goes through the the increase in frequency and, and things like that, do you think that will, will help? a lot in getting more people on the transit or is it is it mainly just they don't know how to use the transit you, i think it would help underrepresented communities access the transit i don't know if by it would help it by yeah by like yeah but building more capacity with this training i do believe that we would be able to access some of those communities and help them get on the bus and, and yeah travel around the city i do believe that i don't know but i i believe does that answer your question kind of, I, i'm just trying to think like is it because they're having a problem trying to figure out how to use the bus? Because I'm, I'm first to say I don't know how to use the bus. Yeah. But if, if, if it was more frequent and the trips were quicker and the trips were to the places quicker for people, do you think that would help increase the, the frequency of any, anybody that you've spoken with or have dealt with? I don't think that's the issue. That What the okay. travel service really um, addresses is what Ben is talking about, about people. So for people with intellectual disabilities who don't feel safe or their families don't have, feel um, that it's safe for them to, to ride the bus, okay. that we're encouraging them now to, to, rather than take paratransit, to ride the bus, right? And I think that's, that might be true for, um, not that they don't feel safe necessarily, but there's not um, the literacy around it about using the bus and how the bus works or that there, there is the app now um, 
that people can use to to find routes or, or using Google Maps. As Ben said, that you know what they found in the um, this one fellow that he works with, that people are relying on their friends to tell them how to get around, yeah. for example, or how to navigate the city. And so it's not a matter of how fast the buses are coming. It's a matter of having those navigation skills and feeling comfortable with knowing how the service works. Uh, absolutely, and thank you for, for what you're doing, and I'd be happy yeah. to come to one of the classes. Okay. <laughs> thank, you. thank you very much. Thanks. Yeah, so those were the, the group was 4 to 40, and they were running the transit training, the travel training. After them, Councillor Stadnichuk spoke, and one of the things Councillor Stadnichuk talked about is how, you know, I took the bus to get here today, and it was really convenient. Um, uh, you know, got me here really quickly, had a great time. Taking the bus is great. Felt like I should start using it if I'm going to be advocating for the transit master plan. Also during this meeting, Florence Stratton uh, spoke about how much she loves transit and how convenient she finds transit. So we put all this together and we get uh, Councillor Shaw's closing remarks. She was still deputy mayor for this meeting. And this is how she closed out debate. And this is how she justified her no vote. Councillor Deputy Mayor Shaw, did you wish to add any final comment? I do. I actually have a couple questions, if you mind. No. Um, I'm having a hard time when we talk about increasing um, the frequency of the, the transit and how this will increase the growth in our, in our population in our city. When we heard today from two delegates that increasing frequency was not the concern it was a matter of knowing how to get on the buses we heard from our fellow counselor it only took her 12 minutes to get downtown so i don't believe the frequency and the duration of trips are always the barrier that keeps people from getting on transit we need to look at more of the education to people and and what they cause the increase from 2019 or 2012 to 2019 uh was point um 1.25 or 1.25 million or 14 percent we see in the master transit plan that it's 625 percent increase is achievable by 2025 or 20 25 years i'm having a really hard time with that number being the number and how do we support that number just by increasing transit the fares having ride you know being able to use your credit card and, and bank card um 5.1% uses transit, 3.3% uses paratransit. Population growth in the last five years has been 4.8%. How do we feel that the population is going to grow by increasing our transit and just our frequencies in our transit and a couple of other things in our transit? I don't feel that's, I don't believe that that's actually an achievable we as a city need to look at the city as a business, round like a business. Councilor Shaw, I'm going I'm I'm to call you to task here. It's to round up the debate on the presentation coming out of executive committee, which right. had a vote attached to it. So as and opposed to personal opinion, that was the opening you had a chance earlier to speak. This is about rounding out debate relative to the, move, the motion before council. Motion before said. council. Right. I can't support this being a taxpayer and um, I just feel that we as a city could do a better job at finding the barriers to population growth and I don't believe it's the transit. There's many other barriers that we face. Thank you. City Clerk. Thank you, Councillor Shaw. City Clerk, could you please call the vote?
what is she talking about? What is she talking about? What does any of that have to do with population growth? That is weird, Paul. That is weird. Yeah. Well, first of all, she's talking about the master transit plan, not the transit master plan. So yeah. maybe there's your confusion. Yeah, that, that could be. That could be. And I don't think I've ever heard somebody say the word transit quite so many times yeah. in, uh, in 30 seconds or a minute. Yeah, I just I, I'm, I'm glad I'm glad that uh, Mayor Masters uh, called her to task because that was spiraling out of control. This sounded very much to me more less like a less like comments about the transit master plan and more like she's putting together her audition reel for the Saskatchewan party or something. Yeah. yeah. Population growth. Yeah. I'm unclear as to whether like based on her comments at executive committee and her comments at council, I'm not sure if her concern is that we don't have the population growth to support more transit or if she's expecting better transit to grow our population. I think I think I have a solution uh, okay. for, for Councillor uh, Shaw. Uh, on buses, especially in the evening, we can have like little sort of uh, the last maybe three rows to be partitioned off with a little curtain. So people can go back there if they want to help grow the population. Oh, I like that idea. Yeah, so it can be like get where you're going, or or and get it on. Oh, yeah, exactly. That could get, be the that could be the slogan. Regina Transit, get it on. Get it on where you're going. I thought it was actually kind of like I don't know how strategic it was or how like it, it was almost like stupid strategy. She was asking people who were talking about how our clients who have intellectual disabilities are, you know, feel that like their lack of knowledge of how transit works is a barrier to them using it. And so what the frequency doesn't matter to them, they need training. And that's what they were there to talk about. And she general Shaw generalizes this to say, nobody worries about frequency. They just need education because I need education for how to use the bus because I've never taken it. Yeah. And I think, does she think that the entire population has intellectual disabilities like this goes back to my what is she talking about yeah that i made earlier well and the thing that concerns me about this is the the consultation which involved like you know speaking with hundreds or thousands of people in regina about what they hoped for from the transit system was clear everybody who uses transit or wants to use transit the thing that's the biggest problem with Regina's transit system is the lack of bus frequency. You have to wait too damn long to -hmm. get a bus. That was, that was across the board from everybody who was involved in consultation. Shaw has thrown that out. She asked two people at council what their, you know, if, if frequency mattered and that's all that mattered to her, the consultation that the city had paid a hundred thousand dollars or whatever it was for, I made that number up, but the city paid money for a consultation. That data is meaningless to her. And we've seen a pattern of this from counselor Shaw and Bershani, where Mm -hmm. if the results of a consultation do not come out with what they want, then they just either ignore the consultation or they say the consultation was insufficient and demand more until they get the answer they want. So this is, this is not great. Like this is, um, 
this will make it difficult to accomplish anything if you have at least two counselors who will just ignore the work of consultants and staff if it's inconvenient. Yeah, I'm I'm not a fan of that sort of style, that particular sort of intellectual or anything style. Um, I'm I'm actually a little disappointed that that uh, that that Shaw got cut off there because I I really want to know where she was going with that running the city like a business thing. They, I, I mean, I know some people people who like to say things we should run the government like a business just don't like things like public transit because why not buy a car, you know, or whatever else. Mm-hmm. Uh, so was she about to say that there should be some kind of profit motive involved? I, I just don't know. Well, I don't think we have to worry because it's not going to be too long before she brings us up again. <laughs> right. so. At least there's that. At least, at least, yeah. You know, we like her. Her takes her take is on things is not a mystery because she keeps on she keeps on bringing it up. So yeah, yeah. And she learned at this meeting that if she's going to give a speech about running the city like a business, she has to do it sooner, not when she's closing debate. So, right. Yeah. Exactly. Well, maybe she can leave with that next time. Oh, good. <laughs> yes. Fair enough. Fair. Yeah. Anyways, uh, yeah, that's about it. All right. Well, yeah. uh, then should we move to adjourn? We should, and I would second that motion. All right. Meeting adjourned. You've been listening to the Queen City Improvement Bureau on 91.3 FM, CJTR, Regina Community Radio, tuned into the community. Uh, your hosts are Paul DeShen and Aiden Morgan, music by Ryan Hill, a.k.a. Guidewire. Uh, Hill, we are broadcast from 7 to 8 on Thursday evenings, and we broadcast Monday afternoons through the floor. PM. Find us on radio, also cjtr.ca slash podcast. Find us on our Twitter, uh, Queen City AB, and our website, queencityab.com, which also has bonus materials you can't get just by listening to us. You gotta go read, gotta use your eye holes. Anywho, uh, yeah, coming up next, we got the Report Cabaret, followed by other shows, music all up through the night. That's it. Keep on improving your job.